And uh, we have come to one of everybody's favorite epic Old Testament stories of Daniel in the lion's den. This is an unbelievably epic story of one man's courage and faithfulness in the, the sure face of death. And he comes through um, and, uh, and, and the world is changed as a result of, of one man's act of courage in the face of death. This is the plot of every good movie, every good story. And um, it, it is the one that we take up today. And there are plenty of other examples of one man or one woman's courage that changed the world. If you might think of somebody like a Rosa Parks, whose one act of, of courage changes the world, sparked the movement to end segregation. It was a simple act that changed the world. In her own words, all I was doing was trying to get home from work. You know, there are also many acts of, of little faithfulness that we, we don't even know about, that we never saw, that we've never seen that changed the world. Small people, normal people um, living faithfully and courageously. Think of those who hid the Jews in, during World War II in the throes of the Holocaust. Simple acts of courage and faithfulness that changed the world. And that's what we see in Daniel 6 today. We think of it as this unbelievably epic story, um, but really what we're going to see is Daniel was just a, a normal person trying to honor the Lord whose simple act of courage and faithfulness ends up changing the world. That's what we see in Daniel 6. And this takes us then to the bigger point of the, the sermon that I want to point out today. And we'll work through this together. But here's the point. That every tribe, nation, tribe, nation, and tongue will worship Jesus because of the faithfulness of normal Christians. How about that? I really want to, I really want to put this um, home to, to you today as a, as a normal, just everyday normal Christian who is seeking to be faithful in your walk with the Lord and to live your life faithfully, every tribe, every nation, and every tongue will worship Jesus because of you, individual Christian, your um, faithfulness to the Lord. And the life of Daniel, and specifically this account of Daniel in the lion's den, teaches us this. Put another way, maybe with some more application in mind for us, um, I, I might rephrase the, the point this way. Do your job well, be a good neighbor, and tell people about Jesus. Do your job well, be a good neighbor, and tell people about Jesus. This is what will ultimately change the world. And this is what we will see will lead to a people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation praising Jesus. This pattern of life is what we're going to see in Daniel's life. And this is the way that God is going to receive glory. And this is the way that every tribe, every tongue, every nation is going to praise Jesus. It's going to be through you, normal Christians, living faithfully, doing your job well, loving your neighbor well, and telling people about what Jesus has done in saving you. You know, in our, in our culture today in, uh, in America, this is not necessarily wrong, but we, uh, we grow up uh, being told that we're going to change the world, you know, pursue your dreams, you can be who you want to be, um, you, you know, go, go, go chase after it, this kind of American dream idea, right? And th those are, that's not necessarily a bad thing. We as Christians, we should dream, we should pursue, uh, you know, success in this world, but as Christians, we also embrace the reality that God has primarily called us to live faithfully, to do our job well, to love our neighbor, and to tell people about Jesus. And this is how we change the world. 
not necessarily through the, the big acts of being rich and famous and, and these big massive success stories, though that, that would be fine, um, but it is our normal everyday acts of faithfulness that actually is the means by which God is going to use to change the world. Now I want you to write that book. I want you to uh, invent that thing. I want you to build that house. I want you to get that promotion. I want you to get that degree. Of course, God is glorified in all those things, but the normal way that God is glorified is through us doing our jobs, loving our neighbors, and telling others about Jesus. And we all tend to think that our everyday faithfulness, the normal kind of normal days, they don't mean much. We might tend to think that sometimes our work is insignificant, like we're not really doing anything, and this is so not true. Every diaper we change, every invoice you stamp, every time you take out the trash, if done to glorify God, is the means by which God is using you to change the world. This is what we're going to see through Daniel in the lion's den today. So let's get into the scripture. Here's the first thing we see very practically. Daniel was faithful in his job. Daniel was faithful in his job. Let's look at Daniel 6 and look at verses 1 through 5. We didn't read this in the, in the scripture reading, but I, I want to look at the whole chapter with us. Verses 1 through 5 say this. It pleased Darius, this is the king at the time, over the kingdom, um, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these same traps would give an account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So Daniel, we see, was faithful in his job. He's one of the king's top three officials, and Daniel was distinguished above all the other officials, and verse 3 tells us it is because an excellent spirit was in him. Question, would your boss or your teachers or your employees, if you are over uh, people in, in your job, would they say you have an excellent spirit within you? You see, Daniel was, was distinguished because he had this excellent spirit. And um, most people would agree that this is from God. This is God-given. And if you are a Christian today, you have the most excellent spirit, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you. So therefore, um, in our everyday lives, in our jobs, when we're doing what we do, whatever it is that you do, doesn't matter what it is, you, you should display the fruit of this excellent spirit. You know the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, guidance, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did you learn that song? Right, these, are the, these are the fruits of the Spirit that we should display in our everyday, in our normal lives. And they should um, set us apart. We should look different in the way that we lead our people, in the way that we work hard, our, our work ethic, in the way that we treat one another, in the, way, the way that we talk to people in our jobs, in our everyday, normal lives. We should have an excellent spirit. There should be something different about Christians. We should be the best employees and the best bosses. And I'm guessing that all of the officials that were under Daniel appreciated him and his excellent spirit as well. We see Daniel did his job well. He was faithful. And it became an opportunity for him to glorify God. Do you see your job that way? 
students? Do you see school that way? Um, each day is an opportunity that God has given you to glorify him. Right? You have the opportunity to show this um, excellent spirit that is within you. Right? Um, you can show it to your coworkers, your bosses, your employees. By the way that you talk, the way that you work, the way that you treat people, we can show that something is different about us. And it is within these normal, everyday acts of faithfulness that the Lord is glorified and will use it to change the world by us doing our jobs. Daniel was faithful. But this led to some jealousy from some of the other officials, and they tried to take him down. They say in verse 5 that they aren't going to find any fault or complaint against Daniel unless they find it in connection with the law of his God. So these jealous fools... Um, know that Daniel's a man of character. They know that he's not going to get involved into any kind of shady business deals. They know they're not going to catch him in any way. But so they have to find some way to connect his obedience to God and put it against his obedience to the state or to the king. So they're tricky, tricky. That then leads us to the next point found in verses 6 through 15, that Daniel was faithful despite worldly pressure. Daniel was faithful despite worldly pressure. Let's look at verses 6 through 15. It says this, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction, sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered him and said, The thing stands fast, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered him and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Now know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed." This a long chunk, but we see that Daniel was faithful despite worldly pressure. These officials, they come up with a plot. They go to the king and said he should sign a law that basically for a month, nobody should pray to anybody except for him. They basically say, hey, king, it would be cool if you were God for a month. King's like, all right, let's make it happen. He signs it into law. And then verse 10 is the hinge point here. Daniel says, um, it says Daniel knew that the document had been signed. Daniel knew that the document had been signed. What's he going to do? The pressure is on. Um, I can, Daniel, Daniel knows. I can keep praying to God 
I can keep honoring him, I can keep living for him, or I can be thrown into the lion's den. What, what, what choice am I, am I going to make here? Now, think with me. How easy would it have been for Daniel to sort of hide his faith for a month? I mean, nobody was making him get up in the window like he had done three times a day and pray toward Jerusalem. No, nobody was making him pray in that specific spot. I mean, how easy would it have been for him to just shut the windows for a month? How easy would it have been for him to just kind of cover up that, that he was um, a worshiper of, of the Lord? Wouldn't it have been easy to kind of put his faith on the back burner for just a month so he didn't get tossed into the lion's den? Those are the choices. Um, just a small compromise in Daniel would have been spared and there would have been no problems. And I know that many of us, though the um, alternative might not be, be being cast into the lion's den, many of us face similar challenges every day, meaning challenges to kind of sideline our faith, to kind of maybe act like it, it's really not that important. You know, I don't, want to, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to cause any problems. Therefore, I'm just going to kind of, you know, my... my, my Christianity can kind of take a back burner so that it doesn't cause any problems. We don't, we don't want to mess anything up here. And I know many people that have gone through this. I've talked to teachers who feel a certain amount of pressure to toe the line, to not talk too much about their faith. Businessmen, businesswomen are put in tough situations to take part in deals that don't honor the Lord or to be a part of conversations that might be unethical and don't honor the Lord, right? Just put your faith aside for a bit. Just kind of keep your head down and, and don't worry about it. That's the temptation that we all face. You know, on a smaller scale in my own life, nearly every time I'm getting to know somebody, every time I'm, I'm meeting uh, a neighbor, you know, one of the first things, one first points of conversation is, hey, what do you, you know, what do you do for work? And of course, I'm faced in that moment, you know, I, I'm like, okay, here we go again. Uh, and I say as calmly, as coolly as I can, I'm a, I'm a pastor, you know, just down the road, you know, the church by incredible pizza, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's, um, it, 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 I try and make it as, as normal as possible. And probably over half the time, you, you, know, you know what happens. Um, the cuss words slow down and uh, people kind of slowly step away like, okay, cool, man. You know, see you later. And, uh, and you know, they back out of the conversation. Um, now, you know, uh, another good amount of the time, it's a great conversation because the person's a Christian and, you know, we, we have a good connect time or whatever. But the, the temptation is always there for me to, to, to kind of sideline my, my faith in some way and just say, like, yeah, I'm a teacher, you know, which wouldn't be a lie, but, it, you know, maybe not the full truth in order to not ruffle any feathers and not make anything weird. Um, but what we all need to do like Daniel here, is to remain faithful despite the worldly pressure, despite the things that might want to make us have our Christianity, our faith, take a back burner. We must um, resist those things and be faithful despite the pressure. We don't want to sideline our faith. Now, of course, there's wisdom involved in different situations and circumstances. I mean, if you were here last week and heard about the life of Esther, um, there, were, there was wisdom to be had in the decisions that she made. She didn't want to just go immediately to the king uh, because it, it would have it cost her her life, right? So she, we're, we're trying to work these things out. But it seems like with Daniel here, when it, when it comes to prayer, which is, we know is so vital to our faith. I mean, it is our connection with the Lord. And for Daniel, when it came to prayer, this spiritual discipline of, of communicating with the Lord, giving thanks, and, and, um, and having a relationship with the Lord, Daniel had his mind made up already. 
Danny Aiken said of this passage that Christian character is not made in times of adversity, it's revealed. You know, it is the, um, it is the, the quiet moments of prayer, the, the normal acts of faithfulness day in and day out that make us who we are as Christians. That, the, that is where our, um, our faith is forged and is deepened. It's in the quiet, normal moments where nobody's watching. That, that's where it is. It, you know, we're not revealed to be um, uh, faithful Christians when times get tough. We're, our character that we've already built is going to be revealed in these moments. And that's certainly what we see with Daniel here. That's why he says in, in uh, verse 10, says he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. This is what we might call Daniel's spiritual discipline of prayer. I love that. Praying three times a day, that's what Daniel's practice was. That's what he did. Who knows how many years he had been doing this, going right, you know, to that window, um, getting down on his knees and thanking the Lord three times a day. And, and that's, that's what he did. And it didn't matter if it was legal one day and illegal the next. He was going to pray to his God. He kept right on. Now, trying to put myself, you know, in, this, in these shoes. One day, Daniel prayed with the wind, you know, I love this, this picture that we get here in the scripture. The windows are open. You know, he's, he's facing um, west, which would be toward Jerusalem. And, and uh, you know, I, I can imagine the windows are open. Maybe there's a cool breeze. You know, he's thanking the Lord for, for giving him the, his, his job. And, and uh, you know, he, he's praising the Lord three times a day. There's a nice cool breeze. Maybe he's smelling the trees, you know, outside one day. And then the next day, he knew that the document had been signed. And still, he goes upstairs, gets down on his knees, that same open window, and prays again. And I wonder if on the verse 10 day, I wonder if um, the experience was a little different. I wonder if the, um, the, the smell of the carcasses of the lion's dinner from last night was wafting in the windows this day. I, I, wonder, if, I wonder if his mind had changed a little bit, like, oh man, I mean, this is going to cost me something now. Things, things are different, but am I still going to remain faithful? Am I still going to, to, to honor the Lord despite the fact that I know that if I do this, it's going to cost me, maybe my life? And he did. The pressure's on, and he still thanks God and honors him with his life. Will we do that? When, when, the, when things get difficult, when we face various challenges and, and difficulties in our lives, when it's easier to, to put our faith on the back burner, will we remain faithful despite the pressure? There's a young couple in our church named Will and Katrina who have been coming for a year or so now. And Will, I think, has spent the last four out of six months um, working on an offshore rig um, in Africa for his, his job. And he spent months away from his wife, away from his family, away from his community. And um, he's now scheduled to go back at the end of July for another six weeks. And uh, it's, a, it's a rough situation and one that we wouldn't you know, necessarily desire all the time. Um, but Will is doing his best to live out um, the life uh, like uh, Daniel in this situation. He told me this last week that he's going to look for ways now when he goes back to share his faith. He works with people from all over the world that are all kinds of religions, right? And it would be, in one sense, it would be far easier 
for Will to not really, uh, you know, worry about <laughs> his faith while he's there. Meaning, you know, you can keep things to yourself. Just kind of keep your head down. Don't cause any problems. You know, don't ruffle any feathers while you're there. But what an opportunity if we have eyes to see that the Lord has him in. You know, uh, Will said that, that this time he, he's going to make a point to um, bow his head before he eats his meals. Right? Small, small little acts of faithfulness, kind of like Daniel here. He's going to go up and he's going to pray no matter what. So he, he's going to pray for his meals no matter what. And he's going to, to demonstrate this excellent spirit. Will said, I, I'm going I'm to um, be positive despite my 17-hour days, seven days a week for six weeks. All right, I'm going I'm to show that there's something different about me. This is living out the, the life of Daniel. The pressure is immense. But what Daniel did here is to stay faithful. And you and I are called to do the same thing, to stay faithful despite the worldly pressure. And we can only do this. We can only stay faithful because of what we see in verses 16 through 24. And this is that God is faithful to save those who trust him. You and I can be faithful in the difficulty and the challenging times in our life. We can stay faithful to honor the Lord because of God who is faithful to save those who trust him. Let's look again at verses 16 through 24. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then... At break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions, and he came to the den where Daniel was, and he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me. Because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Then verse 24 ends in a nice uh, positive note. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. Wow, very nice. Cheery, uh, cheery story here. But not, not to, to dwell on that, but uh, last week we, we talked about this idea of great reversals. And um, God is going to, to save his people and, and he's going to, to do so. Um, uh, if there are enemies of the people of God, we're going to see this great reversal happen where something that was meant for Daniel, he's actually rescued out of. And those who were opposed to him receive that, that treatment that they are deserving. God is going to, to punish the enemies of, of his people. Um, and ultimately, we see him do this where in the end, he's going to cast Satan into the, the lake of fire for all of eternity. But anyway, um, so this is what we see. It's interesting in this narrative that the focus becomes on the king. Did you notice that? Like all of a sudden we're, we're talking about the, the, the officials, and, and, but, but this whole narrative really focuses on the king. And I think that that is intentional because um, I think that the author wants us to focus not necessarily on Daniel's 
heroic act of courage. I don't think that the author wants us to really focus on what Daniel's doing or exactly what happened with the lions that night because that's not the focus. That's not what the author wants us to see. What, what he wants us to see is that the result, he wants us to see the result of what happens to the rest of the world when God saves his people. That, that's the focus here. What, what happens after um, God rescues Daniel out of the lion's den? And it is that the rest of the world is going to see and is going to praise God for what he has done in saving his people. It's the praise and the worship of God that's the result of God saving his people. Our faith in God plus God saving us by grace through faith equals God being worshipped by every tribe, nation, and tongue. Daniel's tossed into the den of lions. The king seals the, um, the den with a stone. Does that sound familiar? Is there another story where a stone is placed over somebody's supposed grave? And at the break of day, sound familiar, um, Daniel is found to be alive. Notice that the king says um, to Daniel, uh, that he says that Daniel is a servant of the living God. The king asks if Daniel, servant of the living God, is alive. Isn't it funny that the answer to the king's question is found in the identification of who Daniel's God is? When you say, uh, Daniel, servant of the living God, are you alive? I mean, he, he already answered the question. Because our God is the living God. Daniel's God is alive. And Daniel replies, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. Primarily, Daniel's salvation from the mouths of the lions um, is a credit to God. God gets the credit for saving Daniel. And the same is true for you and me today. Our salvation from spiritual death and slavery to sin is God's doing and he gets the credit and he gets the resulting glory. It's not um, when somebody asks, you know, uh, uh, what, what did God do to save you? You don't say, well, I, uh, you know, like in the first person. If, we, if we're ever talking about our salvation in the first person, we're probably wrong. It's more about what he has done. He is the one that does it. Therefore, he is the one that gets the credit. So Daniel um, says God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. God did this. And then the king is happy. Daniel's taken out of the den without any harm, as verse 23 says, because he had trusted in his God. And this is you and I's testimony today as well. This is, this is true of us. At the end of our lives, um, we should be able to say something like this. Um, Elijah is spending eternity in heaven with Jesus because he trusted in his God. Karen is, is with Jesus for all of eternity because she trusted in her God. That's what we see in the life of Daniel here. He is saved because he trusted in his God. He didn't have to do anything to be saved from the, from the lion's dens. In the same way that you don't have to do anything in order to be saved from eternity in hell that we deserve. You, you, you don't have to do anything to earn it, right? Daniel didn't have to dance around. He didn't have to, uh, you know, give the lions any catnip to, you know, to make them go to sleep at night. He didn't, have to, he didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was trust in his God and he was saved. Same is true for you and I today. God is faithful to save those who trust him. Now, in the case of Daniel, this meant that he was physically saved from being eaten by lions. Um, 
And maybe this means for us today that if we trust in God to, to save, to rescue us, um, maybe that means that we will be healed of our disease. Maybe it means that we will be spared from injury in a car accident or, or whatever thing that might happen to you. If you trust in God, maybe that means that you will be saved from this physical um, difficulty in, in your life. Or maybe it won't. But ultimately, we can trust that God will deliver and save us from spiritual death and eternal punishment because we trust in him. And that is the most precious truth, regardless of the physical sufferings that we may go through in this life. You know, in the story of uh, earlier in Daniel of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, aka Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, and the fiery furnace, they say something that hits on, on this perfectly. It's a very similar story. And I imagine that Daniel had the same mindset going into the lion's den as the boys did going into the fiery furnace. And I think that we should have the same mindset today. In Daniel three seventeen, it says this. That this is what uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us. But if not we will not serve your gods. Do you see that? Um, our God is able. We believe that he will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're going to worship him anyway. And that should be um, our mindset. And that's a difficult kind of tension for us to live in today. Uh, I believe that God can heal the cancer. I believe that he will, but even if he doesn't, he is good and worthy of our praise. That's difficult for us to, to walk in and to live in. Um, and, and of course, we always have the ultimate hope uh, that he will heal every disease. He will wipe every tear away in the new heavens and the new earth when Jesus returns. Um, and then the last point is this, that God receives praise throughout the earth by saving his people. This is verses 25 and 28. Look at the result of God saving Daniel from the mouths of the lion's den. And here's what happens. Then King Darius wrote to all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. And then he writes this. For he is the living God enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So we see that the result of God saving Daniel through Daniel's normal, everyday acts of faithfulness is that the whole world, every tribe, nation, and tongue praises God. And this pattern is, is still true for us today. Isn't this amazing? It's the whole point that God is glorified and he is praised for saving his people. Not from anything that we did. We, we, we were normal, faithful people. He rescued us and we just lived our lives in, in a normal, everyday way, trusting God, doing our job well, loving our neighbor, telling people what God has done. And the result is that God uses it to see the whole world praise him. King Darius's declaration that all tribes, nations, and tongues should praise Daniel's God sounds a lot like Revelation 7 
where John received a vision from the Lord of a great multitude that no one could number from every tribe, nation, and tongue, worshiping the Lamb who was slain. It says that they're crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb who is Jesus. So the full and the final picture then of what is hinted at here in Daniel is fulfilled when God saves his people from every tribe, nation, and tongue who are worshiping the Lamb. And that's what we strive for. So how do we get there? How how do we make it to Revelation 7 where there is a great multitude that no one can number from every tribe, nation, and tongue worshiping Jesus? How do we get here? How How do we get from here to there? Well, we follow Daniel's lead. We do our job well. We be a good neighbor. And we tell people what God has done in saving us. We just proclaim that truth. We tell people. Daniel was recognized for doing his job well and for being a good neighbor to those around him. He lived an ordinary life of faithfulness and was saved by God. And then after he was saved, he took the opportunity to tell the king what God had done for him. The same pattern should mark our lives today. Us, normal Christians, you and I, have the opportunity to do our jobs well, to be good neighbors, and then when the opportunities arise, to tell others how Jesus saved us. And that's how we get from here to Revelation 7, where a great number more than anybody can, can number, <laughs> worshiping Jesus. We, the church, normal Christians, are God's plan A to see that happen, and there is no plan B. So let's go. As we conclude, we're going we're gonna to respond in, in worship uh, in just one second. But as we conclude, we do need to see uh, the connection also. Not only uh, should we pattern our lives in these ways after Daniel. Uh, but, but Daniel's life, we also see, has some unique patterns and similarities to the life of Christ. Um, Daniel, just like Jesus, is viewed with favor among much of the people. But as he gets this favor, he also has some, some enemies, some high officials that want to have him killed, just like Jesus. These officials get a king to agree to kill him, even though he's completely innocent. Daniel and Jesus share this in common. Then um, the den is sealed with a stone, just like Jesus' tomb is sealed with a stone. And then additionally, at the break of dawn, it is found that Daniel's alive. In the same way that it was found on the third day, very early in the morning, the stone was rolled away. And Jesus wasn't there because he is, was, and is alive. And this Jesus is still alive today. And he's worthy of our whole lives and our whole devotion. You can trust him today to save you if you haven't. And for those who have, we can proclaim this truth and we can live our lives in obedience to him, devoting our lives to loving our neighbors as ourselves and to loving him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we do, as we tell others about what he has done, then we and all of those will be a part of that innumerable number at Revelation 7 who sings the praises of the Lamb for all of eternity. Let's pray. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. If you'd like more information about Champion Forest Baptist Church, our service times, or how you can get connected, visit us at championforest.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day, and God bless.